One of the, th the realities, I think, of celebrating anything is that there's people who can't celebrate it uh, or people that find that particular celebration painful. Uh, so whether it be a, a death or a broken relationship, um, yeah, thinking about Mother's Day, whether it be singleness, the inability to have kids, um, it's a genuine, a genuine deal. Uh, I mean, highlighted even tragically, you know, in a sense by um, events in Western Australia at the moment. Uh, you know, th just tragic things and difficult things can happen around uh, any kind of celebration that you do. And uh, I guess I just wanted to uh, say to you that I hear you and I would invite you, even in the midst of that pain, if that's you, to celebrate with the rest of the church. Um, even if you're not a mum or you can't be a mum or you don't have one now, uh, you did have one. <laughs> Amen? Who's thankful for mum? It's like, yeah, well, you just all need to put your hand up because if you, like, that would be weird, right? I'm not thankful for my, my mum, the one that gave me life and brought me into this world and, and kind of nurtured me. We can celebrate that, can't we? Yeah. We can celebrate that. So uh, let's uh, kick in. I wonder if you've ever been somewhere, mums, talking to mums here, and your child, here's a good question, have you ever been somewhere where your child has done something embarrassing? Yes, they're okay. Yes, I have. Uh, not singular, plural. I have been lots of places where my children have been embarrassing. Here's a follow-up question to that one. Have you ever, even in your head, and you don't have to respond to this because you might have your children sitting next to you, have you ever in your head ever made that joke or even said it out loud to someone, I wonder whose kid that is? Like they lost their nana or they're throwing a tanny, uh, they've closed up and they won't talk to people or they're rude or they just vomited everywhere. <laughs> well, I want to I ask you this question this morning uh, and this is, this is a profound question and I'm clearly not a mum but um, this is a profound question I think. Um, would you like to have been the mother of Jesus. Now that's an interesting question, isn't it? Like, would you, would, if, you know, the angel Gabriel shows up out of the blue to Mary and says, you're, we've cho you know, God has decided you're going to be the one, would, I don't know. Like, when you think about that, it's like, would you want to be her? What would you say? Anyway, Let's read the, uh, the bit out of the Bible about this from Luke chapter 1. So if you've got a Bible somewhere, you can grab that. If you don't, there's Bibles up the back. And we'll all turn a blind eye as you sneak up there and grab one. Because um, it's an amazing little story. I mean, we most often read this story at Christmas time, but it's an amazing little story uh, when read, not just from a Christmas perspective, not from just a nativity perspective, but from the perspective of a mum. Now this is a, um, if you are here at church last week, which uh, some of you probably weren't, we talked about the, uh, the eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and um, we know that Luke was an offsider of Paul and he probably got to go around, or we can all safely assume he got to go around and talk to people who are eyewitnesses to things. So he's writing down here what actually happened in history, not just a nice happy story. Uh, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Now you would be too, right? If you're just getting about doing your own business and the angel Gabriel shows up, he stands in the presence of God and says, Greetings to you, you'd be a bit puzzled too. You'd just go, Okay, is this good or is it bad? Just in case you don't know, I mean, you look at angels in the Bible, most of the time angels are dealing out comeuppance to people that need it. That's, that's their deal. We think of angels as some naked baby with a harp or something or a bow and arrow. That is not the biblical understanding of angels. Angels are males in the Bible. That, that's all that we know. Maybe there's females, but we don't know that. The Bible only ever talks about angels being males and they're usually out to get people on God's behalf. All right? So you can understand... A true sense of this angel kind of showing up to Mary. She's just going, okay, well, what, is, what are we doing? What is this? And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Now, there's a pointer straight up, isn't it? That this angel's come from the presence of God. Because you know, if you know your Bibles, you know God's saying don't be afraid all the time to people. Because our tendency is to be afraid. It's like, ah, oh, right, okay, I know where you come from now because you're saying similar things to your boss. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now that, if that, I mean, if that happened to you, mums, it's like, what up? Like, uh, what is going on here? You know, it's like, really? I mean, that, that would be a spin-out, wouldn't it? And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is a sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. All right, let me rip through a few things quickly. And then today we've got the uh, privilege. I'm going to hand over to Renee Gilmore about halfway through and she's just going to do a real kind of mum piece uh, for the second half of this today. So let me rip through a few things first. Here's the first thing. And, and look, when I, when I share these things this morning, some of you will probably go, yeah, I know mums that aren't like that, right? But let's, mums are mostly like this. And that's, I'm just talking about the mostly today, not about the exceptions. Here's the first thing. I think mums are really humble. See, pride is actually about me needing to be in the middle, that it has to be about me. And there's always a bit of a fight and a bit of a battle um, in everyone between pride and humility, but I think when you look at mums, it's actually a really rare thing for a mum to put herself before her kids. Have you noticed that? And in our culture, like mums that put themselves before their kids are not viewed particularly well. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Because it, it hardly ever happens. It hardly ever happens, I think, that mums put themselves before their kids. I mean, think about the very reality of having children. The mum gets pregnant and from that point on, this kid just starts taking over everything. <laughs> Isn't that true? I starts taking over the, the mum's body, starts taking over her time, her energy, her sleep, 
her future. Just taken over stuff, this little thing. <laughs> Forcing mums, in a sense, to not be in the centre of what they're doing. Isn't it? It's like a, a toddler is just, you, you just better be, you know, it's a, a toddler will demand <laughs> to be in the centre, right? And, and, and will pull the mum and put pressure on the mum. And, and all of these things, and I'm not saying that toddlers should be in the centre of the world that's going on there, but... Part of the deal for mums is like, oh, I'm actually going to get around this kid and I'm going, to, I'm going to help this kid to grow and it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me to do it. I, I think it's, I'm not saying it's easy for mums. It's, it's very hard, but it does, to me, from an observer's point of view, seem to be a natural thing for mums to go there. Or at least to know that it's right to go there and that's normal to actually go there. Come back with me to the text. Luke 1 verse 38, listen to Mary. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Now Mary struggled to get her head around what was going on here. But can you see there, she's kind of saying, I'm happy not to be in the centre here. I'm happy, I'm happy to be out of the centre, let God be in the centre and your plans are okay. Did she know what she was signing up for? Probably not. Does any mum know what they're signing up for? I mean, when, when uh, uh, Andrew's pregnant for the first time, I think I said to her at one point, I said, uh, you know, this is like getting on a roller coaster and we're just going to strap the harness down and we just don't know where this roller coaster is going to go. And it probably goes till you die. <laughs> you know, and there's twists and turns, twists and turns, and you go upside down. I don't think any mum knows what they're signing up for when they become a mum. But there is a real genuine heart, to, I think a humble heart, to not be in the centre. See, Mary was about being out of the centre, letting God be in the centre of her life and letting God's story be the most important story. And that's a challenge sometimes. You know, you go to Luke 2 verse 19, the shepherds show up to, um, to Mary and, and Joseph and, and Jesus there. And listen, listen to this. Uh, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them, in her heart uh, they track Jesus down just a little bit later because he's gone missing uh, and most parents know what that's like when you have a kid that just goes missing and where is he uh, they find him in the temple and it says there and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart you know I think what the Bible's really saying here is that it's, it wasn't always easy for Mary and she had to ponder things she had to work things through but she does well <laughs> And I think that's what a lot of mums do. I think a lot of mums, you just kind of get into it and you just go, I don't know how to do this. I'm not sure how I'm going to go forward in this. And you hit these little roadblocks around the place and, and you just, there are times of pondering and reflection and just kind of, kind of grappling with it. And that's, that's normal. But the, I think the beautiful things, thing about mums is that they're humble and it doesn't have to be about them. Second thing, mums are servants. You know, one of the um, Greek words uh, used to, uh, in the original language of the New Testament to describe servant actually means table waiter. <laughs> uh, we've got four sons and that's, what, that's most of what we do is just bring food. <laughs> um, and they like food and, and it's good that they like food, but it's just, it's, it's all part of, the, uh, part of the service. I mean, think about the serving tasks that mums do. 
the late nights, the broken sleep, the care for injuries, the emotional care, the washing, the talking, the loving, the correcting, the directing, the teaching, so much service, such servants. Mums give themselves in service to their kids, don't they? I think they do, I'm massively. And the beautiful thing here, going back again to uh, Luke 1 verse 38 there, is the heart of Mary, isn't it? Where she says, and I'll repeat it again, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. See, Mary offered herself as a servant. He gave, she gave herself for the good of other people. I mean, think about the way that Mary served Jesus. That's massive. I mean, we don't even have a lot of details about it, but he made it the 30 to the start of his ministry. They go to uh, the temple in Luke chapter 2, and I want you to hear this, and I want you to hear the amazing service that Mary offers here in the context of what's being said about her son. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, listen to this, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's prophesied about Jesus to Mary when he was a kid. How how would you go with that, mums? (laughs) I mean, that's... There's an encouragement there that mums are servants, but there's a challenge in there as well because that's some amazing service, isn't it? By Mary. What's Simeon saying? He's saying you're going to have a son that is going to do some great things and you're also going to have a son that people don't like. And you're going to have a son that people are going to speak against and go against. I wonder whether you'd be up for that kind of service. It's impressive. I reckon, I reckon you probably would be. Listen to the service that Mary provides to Jesus when he's getting crucified. In John 19 verse 25 it says, Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And that, is anyone with me on this? Like that is some intense service to her son. I, mean, I don't even know how you do that. How do you, how do you show up? You know, the prophecy was right back when he was a kid that people were going to come after him and a sword was going to pierce her own soul too because of her son. And here she is standing at the cross watching her son get crucified. Like, I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> but isn't that powerful service? Isn't it powerful service that she showed up and she stood there and, and she was part of what was going on she wasn't one of the instigators one of the people that were doing it but she was standing there while they made fun of her son and they crucified him they killed him but mums aren't just servants mums are servants of god who's uh mums have you ever said this i do all this stuff and no one appreciates it have you ever said that Let's clean up your room and look at it now. You don't even care. I, I serve up this dinner that's going to help you to live beyond, beyond the age of 32. And you don't like it, you turn your nose up at it. No one appreciates what I do. 
And I would just encourage you mums to lift your gaze a bit higher than the appreciation of your kids. You see, what did, what did Mary say? Mary said, I am a servant of who? Of God, of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. And I just want, I want you to know, mums, that God is pleased with all the details and all the menial tasks that you do to serve. And, and I just encourage you, don't, like, don't get distracted in just thinking that you're serving your immediate family. All right? Now, you need to serve God. You need to look through your family um, and all your service is service for God. And those who know your, your scriptures, like, this is not surprising. Colossians 3 23 and 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. A mum's service is not just to her family. It's ultimately service unto God. And we would say, from what we know about Mary, that Mary did well, didn't she? She did well. She did well. She served God well. Let me finish here. Last bit is this. Can you go back to your scripture then? Go to verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? That's a good question. True? Anyone, if you haven't had the birds and the beasts talk with your parents, kids, it's probably a good time to do it, but it's really hard to have a kid and be a virgin. All right? That's just, it doesn't kind of work like that. But go, go through to verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Do you know what I reckon is amazing about this little bit of scripture, right? Is, is Mary is literally standing in the presence of Gabriel, the angel, and she's going, yeah, but how's this, how's this going to work? I can't see how it's going to work. It's just, well, how did Gabriel the archangel, or sorry, Gabriel the angel showing up in your presence work? Do you get what I'm saying? Like she's right in the middle of a miraculous event, and can't see forward to a miraculous event. And I, I just kind of think, this is a bit of a side, side story, but I think that's pretty common for us. You know, you can be in the, in the middle of something amazing that God's doing and still be going, well, uh, how's that going to work? <laughs> yeah, so this is cool. Gabriel's cool, like showing up here and giving me this message. Yeah, oh, I'm up for that, but what about that? And I think the beautiful thing about what God kicks into after that is he kicks into giving her evidence, doesn't he? God says, well, let me tell you how it's going to work. The Holy Spirit's going to come along and he's going to do this really special thing. And if you think that's really miraculous and you can't get your head around it, well, you just need to uh, remember your relative Elizabeth, who was old and barren and couldn't have kids. And she's pregnant at the moment. So you just need to know I can do it and I'm going to get this done. And the final kind of message out of it all is in um, verse 37. God kind of wraps things up there and says, look, nothing's going to be impossible with me. Mums, you hit impossibilities, don't you? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You just hit stuff that's impossible sometimes. And you just go, I don't know, how are we getting through this? What are we going to do about this? How are we going to get through there? And you could even have a long list of uh, times in your life, in your testimony, in your story where God's come through and he's done the impossible and you can still end up in those times where you go, yeah, but how are we going to do this? How's that going to work? 
And you just need to know that God's really gentle with you. And uh, he's going to explain you. He's going to explain things to you. He'll lead you. He'll give you evidence sometimes, but mostly he wants you to know that um, nothing's impossible with him. So that's, that's the spot, that's the sweet spot to sit, mums. When you hit things that look impossible, you just go, no, I know that nothing's impossible with God. And I may not know exactly how he's going to pull this thing off, but I know he's good and I know nothing's too big for him. So I would just encourage you to uh, hang in and trust him like Mary did. Because I think she got there. She goes, okay, <laughs> I'm your servant. If that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. And you can pull it off. All right, at this point in time, we're going to call uh, Renee up. And uh, do you want to give a round of applause? Uh, come on. I, um, thanks, Renee. I invited Renee to uh, speak because she's a better mum than me. And she's a pretty good mum, I reckon, uh, from everything that I hear. And uh, just sort of be really good for the mums here to hear um, a female talk about being a good mum and hear an exhortation from, from someone. So over to you. Becoming a mum four times over in less than six years has been quite a journey. I've learnt so much from older women um, and many of them are here, sitting in here. And I'm really blessed by all that you guys have taught me. Um, through my journey and even some that are younger than me but are further along the motherhood journey which has been a real blessing as well. I've learnt much about God's grace and his strength, uh, his love and his goodness and his willingness to walk with me in what he's called me to as a mum. As Pete's looked at uh, Luke 1 verses 37 and 38 this morning, it's evident that Mary was a humble servant of the Lord and, um, and that's a, such a blessing as a mum to be able to just have uh, examples of godly women Uh, in the word that we can actually learn from. Luke 1 verse 38 says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary displays true discipleship in submission to God's word and his promise. She surrendered her will in order to be part of what God wanted to do. In the same way, we surrender our will and we give up many things in many ways in order to be part of what God wants to do in our children. And I think for me as a mum, that last bit is a bit that I can often forget in the midst of all that I have to do as a mum. I forget that God wants to do stuff in our children. God wants to be a part of what's happening in them. And, um, and that's something I've been really um, yeah, wanting to, to realise as I'm doing the day-to-day, moment-to-moment stuff. I could give you a list of the ways that mums are humble and that mums are servants. Uh, but I was thinking about that and thought that there's a whole bunch of you that would be able to add a whole bunch of stuff to my list um, that are more experienced than me. And also that anyone who's been a mum for less than eight years could actually be really discouraged and um, just really overwhelmed by the list of services and sacrifices that mums do. So I don't want to do that. I want to give you hope this morning that in your humble service to your children and to your families and ultimately to God, that he is with you and that nothing is impossible with God. Mary had the foresight of God telling her that this child that she would bear and raise would grow up to be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will have no end. This would have spurred Mary on, I think, during some of the hard or difficult or maybe even monotonous days of being a mother. The son that she was raising would grow up to be great and of his kingdom there would be no end. 
my encouragement to you is that we can also be spurred on knowing that our children are also God's children. He has great plans for them and if they grow up to know and serve the Lord and to know the Lord, then their eternal home is also in a kingdom that will have no end. Uh, I read this from um, Family Voice Australia. It says, A mother cannot claim the honour of having built Notre Dame Cathedral and she need not. She has built something more magnificent than any cathedral, a dwelling for an immortal soul. When we humbly serve and give of ourselves for the good of our children, we are doing kingdom work. Our service is not just to our families, but as Pete talked about, it's ultimately service unto God and for the good of his kingdom. One of my daughters gave me a card this morning that actually had a quote in it that said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something that you do, but someone you raise. That was just really special to me to receive that this morning. I also found a, um, a blog, which I think lots of you will be able to relate to um, this week. It's called Kingdom Work. It says, when I'm making sure that they have clean socks and sandwich bread so I can send lunch to school the next day, I don't feel like I'm doing kingdom work. When I'm going back to the kitchen to get one of them a water refill at dinner, I don't feel like I'm doing kingdom work. When I'm breaking up fights or cleaning out my car or lugging the grocery bags into the house, it doesn't feel like it will impact eternity. It feels like I'm just taking care of what's right in front of me. It feels normal, routine, average, sometimes annoying, other times overwhelming. Like I'm just doing what I need to do before I have to do the next thing. But do you want to hear something absolutely crazy? You're shaping eternity by loving those kids. Because each act of your sacrificial love points back to our Heavenly Father. Even pouring the last of the orange juice into their cup when you just wanted to drink it yourself. Your regular day-to-day love points this picture at the centre of all creation. Paints this picture at the centre of all creation. A parent's unceasing love for their child. You're showing the value of relationships. You're putting the heart of God on display. You really are doing kingdom work. It just felt like you were clipping their toenails. When we surrender to God and to the needs of our children, then every moment in the process of raising them are moments of grace, pointing them to Jesus. Luke 1 verse 37 says, For nothing will be impossible with God. I had a look at this uh, this week and read some commentaries on that verse, and the for is really important here. The word for actually implies that Mary had some doubts. In verse 34, Mary questions the angel, saying, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel goes on to explain to Mary how it will be and also encourages her with the news of her barren relative Elizabeth being in her sixth month of pregnancy. The angel then says, for nothing will be impossible with God. As mums, um, I'm sure we all have doubts. Some of those might include doubting that your newborn baby will ever go to sleep or get into a routine, doubting that you're doing a good job, doubting that you'll ever have a clean house, like ever, ever again. Um, doubting that your children will ever learn to be kind to their sibling or to be obedient or some other doubt that you might have. I doubt that I'll ever get to school or church on time. I say things like, hurry up, we're never going to make it. Yet nothing will be impossible with God. Here he doesn't say nothing will be impossible for God, which would be true too. But here it says, he says nothing will be impossible with God. He's offering Mary the gift of journeying with God as he carries out his plan of redemption. As we walk with God as mothers and humble servants unto the Lord, nothing is impossible. He offers us himself in the daunting and overwhelming times as a mum, in the mundane and the monotonous, and in the unsurmountable difficulties and pressures. 
I read a book last year called uh, The Praying Life by Paul Miller and there's a quote in there that just has stuck with me which says, when you try to seize the day, the day will eventually seize you. Seize the corner of his garment instead and hang on until he blesses you and he will reshape your day. I'm tempted to spend most of my time as a mum seizing each day, just taking care of what's right in front of me, doing what I need to do before I have to do the next thing. God has been challenging me to seize him instead to stop and turn my face to him moment to moment, to repent and to look to him for help and strength and grace. The reality of a mum is that our children's needs do tend to overtake us, which means carving out any time to pray and read his word and even hear a sermon is sometimes really challenging. But turning our face to him and hanging on to him in whatever way we can, even if it's just the corner of his garment, is, is life-giving and life-changing. I wanted to share with you a personal testimony of how God's been doing this in my life. And even after listening to Mary, I'm thinking my story is just a really average routine kind of story as a mum and it's pretty messy. And it's actually um, even a bit of a shame file on my part. But I want to share it with you because it shows God's glorious grace and the gospel at work and it demonstrates the with God. Mornings can be quite stressful at our house. Getting two children to school and one to kindy and a toddler in the mix of all that's going on just leaves me grasping at the checklist in my head to make sure that everyone has everything they need on any given day. One of my daughters in particular is really easily distracted. It seems that the more I remind her of what she's meant to be doing to get ready, the more she escapes the reality of getting ready. I then say things like, hurry, we're going to be late or hurry, we're not going to make it. And my stress seems to make her escape even more. We then get to school and I try and get them to hurry out of the car saying, quick, the bell's about to go. She'd then respond, almost teary by this point, asking me to walk her in, which means getting the kindy child out of the car and the toddler out of the car to walk her in. And as you can imagine, that is not a fast-paced trek down the path to school. She'd then um, cling to my leg and not want to go in. And at this point, this made no sense to me because I'm thinking, why wouldn't she be jumping at the chance to leave this stressed out mummy who's been nagging her all morning and just get to go off to class? But that's not what she would do. She'd hang on to me and wouldn't want want to go in. So by the time I'd peel her off my leg and hand her over to the teacher, I'd be feeling guilty that she was late and terrible for the way things had ended. I'd then carry my guilt to the kindy, drop that child off, and then I'd head home with the toddler with the good intentions of stopping once I got home and repenting to God and turning back to him for help. But I'd get home and I'd see the mess that we left behind and the stopping never ever would come. God in his grace has helped me to see that I don't need to wait for the perfect time to come to him or that he is far off and I need to have the time to make the big trek to go off and find him somewhere. He's always with me. All I need to do is turn my face to him in the moment and let him reshape my heart and the hearts of my children. God reminded me of this one day when we were making the slow trek down the path to the classroom. So I stopped halfway there. I think the bell had already gone. I'd already got a late slip from Mrs. Bignall. So (laughs) I thought, let's just stop. Let's just stop and calm down. So I repented to God and to my daughter about my stress and ultimately my distrust in God. I asked her for forgiveness and we prayed together. You know what happened then? She turned to me and said, Mama, you don't need to walk me the rest of the way. She hugged me goodbye and happily ran off to class. I was like, oh. So the next day, God reminded me of this at the car before getting the kindy kid out of the car and the toddler out of the car. 
I repented and I asked for forgiveness and we prayed for God's help. And she said, Mummy, you don't need to walk me down. She hugged me goodbye and happily walked down with her sister. I'm learning that the win as a mum is not always in getting it right, but in the turning my face to God in the terrible moments where I'm tempted to start seizing the day and trusting in my own strength. And that in these moments of grace, I'm pointing my children to Jesus and I'm doing kingdom work as I practically outwork the gospel. So let's be encouraged today by the words of the angel Gabriel that came to Mary. For nothing will be impossible with God. And let's continue to respond in humble service to our families and to God in our motherhood and say with Mary, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word.